Welcome back to Perfect Pitch with Nick Healy Hutchinson and his fresh approach to the world of classical music. Whether you're an expert or a beginner, old or young, Perfect Pitch has something for everyone. Handel's operas, of which there are probably over 40, whilst not in the same duration league as Wagner's, tend nevertheless to be quite lengthy experiences. One of the reasons for this is that it was fashionable at the time to repeat arias at different stages of the opera, simply because they were such lovely and catchy tunes. So audiences were happy to lap them up. But another reason is that there's a good chance at least somebody wouldn't have heard it the first time round. Audiences were nothing like as well behaved as we are now. For one thing, they weren't silent, and the closed curtains in the box was commonplace for good reason a sight which would certainly arouse some curiosity today. Julius Caesar in Egypt is one of his most popular with some lively and quite demanding tunes. In one of his most popular arias in all his operas, Da Tempeste, Cleopatra has just been rescued from prison by Julius Caesar and sings of her delight. When the ship, broken by the storms, succeeds at last in making it to port, it no longer knows what it desires. Thus the heart, after torment and woes, once it has received its solace, is beside itself with bliss. Just in case your initial instinct on hearing this is to think that the acrobatics are a bit much for your ears, just pause and reflect what extraordinary things a human voice can achieve. This is truly phenomenal and radiant singing by Magdalena Koshina. Thank you. 
and here are some more acrobatics of a different kind. We've listened to some solo violin before when I hope I demonstrated that it's anything but dull. Handel's contemporary Johann Sebastian Bach wrote three partitas for violin with six movements, all of them, except the last, being based on French dances. So let's listen to the gigue from the second partita played here in a live performance by Anne-Sophie Mutter. Imagine for a moment being a string player, sitting in the orchestra watching and listening to this spellbinding encore. At one level you're thinking, wow. But at another, there must be just the tiniest thought. It's so unfair, I wish I could do that. After all that exquisite harmony, this is going to feel a bit like slinging a ball down a temp in bowling alley. But there's something mischievous about some of the music of Poulenc which deserves its place among the greats. He revered Mozart above all others, and it often comes through in his compositions, but every time it approaches being too melodic, Poulenc can't resist his own witty disruption. Take this brief sonata in three movements, an allegro, Andante and a rondo for horn, trumpet and trombone. One of his friends observed at the time that it was a very well-written mess. Not to add anything further is not to trivialise it, but just to let it speak for itself. On the horn is Hervé Joulin, the trumpet Guy Touvron and the trombone Jacques Mauger.
Whether or not you believe in graphology, the study of handwriting, Beethoven's script was so appalling that you could only conclude it came from the hand of an angry and tormented man. There's no way you would even suspect that it came from a refined individual like Mendelssohn or Chopin. With no access to recording, it's a wonder his publishers managed to decipher what he had quite literally scribbled down, especially when sometimes, such as in his third piano concerto, he had only jotted down occasional notes on the page by way of reminders to himself for when he gave the first performance. We're going to finish today by listening to the final movement of the concerto. It's a little more moody than the two which preceded it, and it's full of expressive passages, where Beethoven is doubtless bearing some of his anxieties about his increasing deafness. It's also written in the key of C minor, perhaps to convey that melancholy, but just like Mozart had done in his own piano concerto of the same key, Beethoven gives us an emphatic and triumphant finish in C major. There's definitely a hint of menace in this, but with a brief passage of tranquillity at its heart as well. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to watch him? If you were alive today, I can't believe he is the kind of person who would engage with, or look lovingly into, either cameras or people nearby. I mean, it's not hard to imagine somebody like Mozart looking into the audience occasionally with a Dudley Moore or Victor Borger-like twinkle, but I can't see Beethoven doing anything other than beating the living daylights out of the keyboard. This is a thrilling live performance. Sparing use of the pedal means that Vladimir Ashkenazi allows each note to be heard with the utmost clarity. He is joined here by the London Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Bernard Heitig. Thank you. 
That's it for this week. Nick will be back again soon. Please rate and comment on any of the previous episodes, and if you like what you hear, take a moment to press the follow button, as it helps to spread the word.